Jones from Arizona. It is a beautiful, sunny day here, and I hope you're staying warm wherever you are. We have an amazing guest today, and I know I say that a lot, but this guy really is rock royalty. Damon Johnson. He started out in this band called Brother Kane, and I love this band. You, you may remember some of their rock radio hits like Got No Shame uh, and Fool Shine On. And, and with that band, Damon got to do shows with Van Halen, Robert Plant. And if you just looked at the Brother Kane stuff, that alone would be an amazing career. But no, he would then go on to be on Alice Cooper's guitar player. He played with Thin Lizzy, which I think he's currently still playing with them sometimes. Plus, he's also worked with Ted Nugent, Sammy Hagar, Faith Hill, Stevie Nicks. I mean, you really can't get much bigger than that. And now he's back. He's got his solo band, Damon Johnson and the Get Ready, and they have a new record out called Battle Lessons. You can get this on the website. Uh, it's in the notes, or you can listen to it on streaming, however you get your music. But this was a really fun interview with a lot of great stories. So enjoy it. Welcome. Damon Johnson to the Chuck Shoot Podcast. How are you doing today? Chuck, I'm doing really well. Uh, I'm doing extra good. I thought I had a little water problem from the uh, <laughs> from the deep freeze, but it turned yeah. out to be turned out to be okay, man. Where where are you? Like, where do you live, Chuck? I'm in uh, uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, close to Phoenix. Oh, of course, of course. I know Scottsdale really well, man. Oh uh, yeah, um, your buddy uh, Alice Cooper lives down here, so. My buddy Alice Cooper lives out there. Uh, the best man in my wedding, one of my best friends on the planet, is a is a, a ear, nose, and throat doctor in Phoenix proper, out oh. in Chandler. Okay. Yeah. So oh. uh, yeah, if I ever Phoenix need somebody, I'll have to get that referral from you then. Hey, brother, he's the man. Okay, he's the man. He has seen every uh, he's seen every esophagus in the business, <laughs> ch Chuck. Okay, Seriously, man. From Billy Joel to Mick Jagger, wow. Steven Tyler to Bruce really? Springsteen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's good a, to know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so anyways, back to you and music and all this. So you were recently interviewed by my, my good friend, Rob Lane for his straight to video podcast. And you guys covered a lot of the early stuff. So what I want to do yeah. is just maybe just pick up kind of where he left off and go right into the brother Kane stuff. Cause that's how I became a fan of yours. I was a big brother Kane fan. I love this band. Um, but I'm just curious, like when you first started that band, I mean, there were so many years that, you know, you, I'm assuming that you struggled in some of those other bands like split the dark and witness and Delta rebels and Chinatown and all this. I mean, you must've learned a lot, but was there ever a point where you're like, Oh, I just, I should just teach guitar lessons or, you know, do music on the side, or you were still just going all in for the full, rock star job right i would i was going all in for the full rock star job chuck that's a great question you just asked and i've often uh like my kids are all i have five kids from my my oldest daughter is a high school counselor and just gave us our first grandbaby and oh. then my youngest my youngest is 12 so i you know between the five kids they run the whole gamut and they're always asking me about that time period because you know, if you just look at the reality of how things were just kind of on a day to day level and making a living. Yeah, I probably should have given some thought <laughs> to, <laughs> you know, yeah. maybe going back to school. I was fueling off of this continual reaction by other musicians, other managers, other bands. Mm. There was something about my guitar playing that was really speaking 
for me. It was resonating with people. And in a real quick succession, Chuck, between 1987 and 1990, I was in four bands. You know, it was Split the Dark, Witness, Delta Rebels, Chinatown. Um, every band was made up of different people. So each one, I learned more. Each one, there were some cool things about it. There was mm -hmm. some potential. You thought something was going to happen. And I guess in a way, the good news was, is we found out pretty quickly that, you know, things weren't going to really develop for mm. one reason or another. Okay. And, and, uh, but you, know, you just everything. kept going. You just kept, I just kept going. Yeah. I just kept going, man. You know, I was so, uh, inspired by the success of bands like the black crows, mm. um, driving and crying was another really popular regional band. Uh, they were based out of Atlanta as well. Mm. They were having some success. Um, there was a scene in Atlanta at the time. And see, when I was in that band Witness, I was in Atlanta a good bit around 1988. So I just felt like I was really close to it. I thought, yeah. well, hey, if, these if these guys can do it, I can do it. So, you know, Witness had some issues. You know, the Delta Rebels had some issues. Chinatown was really just a cover band. Mm. But, but... Man, that band was the played a big role for me, Chuck, because that's how I met. It was, I was in the bars playing yeah. in that band. That's when I met Scott Collier on drums, Roman Glick on bass. I met Glenn Maxey, who was our original bass player. All those guys, man, were kind of from that scene. And, yeah, and, and that's what all that's what I put Brother Kane. Right, and then uh, you know, not, not to jump ahead too far, but um, it is you know, when you talk about meeting people. You met Eric Dover in that band. Never did you think in 20 years, I better be nice to this guy because in 20 years, he's going to help get me a job with Alice Cooper. Like, is that just kind of like, isn't it? It's an interesting life lesson, right? Never know. You better be nice to everybody because you never know when somebody could help you out later in the, in, in the future, right? Well, one thing is for sure, man, my parents are, were amazing. They, man, they gave me so much great information. Even as a kid, they like never burn any bridges mm. ever even if something doesn't advice. work out I'll always say thanks for the opportunity good luck to you and move on to the next thing um as a little footnote about eric dover i don't know that there was any single person in the birmingham music scene more talented more that had more skills mm -hmm. in rock in rock music than Eric Dover, you know, he could play anything. He's saying his, he's just saying his brains out, Chuck. You mm -hmm. know, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, he sat in with us. We did a cover of Purple Rain, and he went into that whole outro refrain and sang it like Prince. Wow! He went, you know, he did all the falsetto stuff, all the screaming and the yeah. all that, all that kind of like R and B thing. I'd never seen anything like it. And yeah. we just knew like, well, that guy's going to do, you know, some big stuff. Yeah. But Got this thing with Slash Eric, and guitar with Alice Cooper. It was, it was amazing. But yeah, so, he was in Jellyfish. Yeah. Jellyfish. Jellyfish. Yeah. Which was, I mean, talk about, talk about other levels. For set, sure. But, 
But, um, yeah, back, but, but back you know, to you and Brother Kane. Yeah. So Marty Fredrickson, let's talk about him because he's an amazing, I feel like he's another member of Brother Kane, really, like because he helped write those songs and produce and, and he went on to work with Aerosmith and Motley Crue. And, like, can you just explain that guy's like process? Like, is it all just raw talent or is it like, does he meditate? Is he, is he doing drugs? Is it networking? Like, how does he, <laughs> what is the secret to his success? <laughs> um, I can't really make a commentary to what degree the drugs have played a role <laughs> okay. over the years. I do know the first time we had a chance to smoke some weed, I, I passed. It's just never been the drug for me. And Marty got right in there. He was like, hey, bro, let me hit that. <laughs> <laughs> so that might but, have something to do with the creativity. Well, I'll try to, I'll try to condense this, Chuck. It, you know, Chinatown evolved into child mm -hmm. child was we were writing original yeah. songs we had we had a singer for a while i was just a guitar player man that lasted about nine months we showcased we got some interest we had some good songs nobody really was a fan of the singer enough to sign the band mm. virgin records signed us to a development deal said we really love damon we love these songs we're going to help him find a singer we tried that for six more months, tried several guys. I became the singer, Chuck, by default. Hmm. That's a whole other story. I don't want to get too sidetracked with that. We sure. can talk about it more if you want. But so right at that moment, thanks to Virgin Records, my A&R guy, Aaron Jacobus, and I was working with their publishing company, a great, great talent named Sharona Sabag. And Sharona was sending me cassette tapes like, well, here's some of our writers. Here's some people you might mm. be interested in writing it with. And Chuck, no disrespect to those writers. I just didn't like any of the tapes. It mm -hmm. sounded very, it was a little too pop. It was a little too college. It just wasn't anything. Man, I was looking for Paradise City, brother. I, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I was looking for Jealous Again, you know, Black Crows. I, I was just in a, you know, into that. Okay. And so, yeah, but I, sorry, go on. Was there more to that? I was just going to say, I got out of this bag. You picked Marty. Yeah, I yeah. would get bags of tapes, man. There was this random tape. I still, I've kept it for prosperity. prosperity oh, but, yeah, that would be cool. Um, on the spine in uh, in pen, it was written Marty Fredrickson. Okay. And I put it in my car. And Good I choice. Heard these songs, man, that just rocked their ass off. The drums, the drums sounded incredible. There were big hooks and harmony vocals, and it didn't sound like 80s mm. hairband stuff, but it wasn't, you know, college or, or anything weird like that. I mean, it was just balls to the wall rock by okay. Aerosmith, yeah. ironically. Right. So that's how, you know, and we got together. I, I told the publishing girl, you know, Sharona, I said, I, can I write with this guy? She said, sure. Next, come to L.A., we'll hook it up. And, you know, Marty came to the door. I opened the door, Chuck. And we look like twins. <laughs> I mean, really like, like identical twins, man. We both had long straight hair. <laughs> That's funny. Mine's, a, mine's a little more gray now than it was in, but you know, same height, same, you know, almost dressed the same. Huh. And that was how it started. Marty was very, he was further down the path as a songwriter and an arranger than I was. Sure. You know, li lyrics weren't necessarily his forte. We worked on that a lot together. Mm. I think the lyrics were always the toughest thing for okay. us. But, you know, man, I could play anything on the guitar. 
And that guy, man, he would start singing these vocal melodies. That's his, that's his trick, mm. Chuck. That's, that's the juju right okay. there. When he wrote with Steven Tyler and they wrote Jaded, it was Marty's melody. You know, it sounds like Burt Bacharach. Man. That's I mean, cool. <laughs> that's neat. Yeah. So yeah. then, and tell me the other, this is another songwriter that I don't even know if I knew this at the time, but uh, you worked with West Arkeen, who was, if people don't know that name, uh, he wrote with Guns N' Roses. He co-wrote the song It's So Easy, which is one of my favorite Guns N' Roses songs and a couple other ones. How did you get hooked up with him? Was it the same kind of thing? Did he send you a tape or you must have already known his name? Like you didn't really need to. Oh, I knew his name, brother. So when Marty and I started having some progress, I started kind of fine tuning my search oh. as far as any, anybody else to collaborate with. Cause look, you got to keep in mind, bro. There was still no guarantees that a record was going to get released. Mm-hmm, that's true. You know, yeah. We had, we, we had to have great songs. So mm-hmm. Sharona, once again, I was like, Oh, well, who else could I write with? And she sent me more of a, a shorter list. She goes, okay. well, here's some other people kind of next level. And mm. as soon as I saw that name, West Arkeen, I was like you. I knew exactly who that was oh. because, you know, the credits on Appetite yes. for Destruction right. said, said GNR number six, West Arkeen. Mm-hmm. Like he was a sixth member of the band and he did write It So Easy with Duff and yeah. Izzy. Um, and again, that's that's another long story. Sure. West changed, Wes changed my life. He changed my life, man. He you know, we had two songs on the record that we wrote together and we wrote a couple more. Uh, there's one that I'm going to, I swear to God, man, I'm going to put it on my next record. Oh, cool. Uh, it was the very, yeah, it was the very first song we wrote together in 1991, a song called Rattle My Bones. And that it sounds just cool. Sa- it just sounds like Appetite. Really? <laughs> but it's just, yeah. Oh, it's just, man. You know, I want to hear this. Yeah, I got yeah, man, I showed up with a really killer riff and, you know, he instantly was drawn to it. He goes, okay, let me work on that. And I just kept playing and he started writing and, you know, man, I got to see, you know, again, Marty's, Marty's forte was melodies, arrangements. He could play, you know, great guitars so we could just mm-hmm. play together and I would riff and he would change a chord or, you know, lyrics, man, with West, you know, West was a dark soul. You you've probably studied up on him a little bit. Yeah, you know, had a lot. Yeah, I'm he sorry to hear what happened to him. I didn't realize he'd passed away, but yeah, that's sad. Yeah, man, and and you know there was definitely an edge to him, just the life experiences he had had. Um, it's like, man, if you're going to write songs like "It's So Easy," you've you've lived Great some song. life, you've seen yeah. some things, you you've you've been through some stuff. Man, I hadn't really been through a lot. But, but I had the presence of mind to recognize, okay, here's someone I can learn from. I can tell, I can give him my story and then we can mold it a little bit. We can make Mm. it, um, we can tell a different story. There's no rules in songwriting, Mm -hmm. as you know, know, it doesn't have, it doesn't have to be autobiographical. So it might start with this idea, but then Wes would just take a left turn, man, and it Mm. would It'd just go straight to the to the street, you know, and I'd be like, "Yeah, that's 
that's what I want. That's right cool. There. Yeah, I have to yeah. I have to read the lyrics more closely on those songs that he co-wrote. Then that's that's really cool. But so, got no shame. I love that was my first introduction to the band. I think I must have seen it on Headbangers Ball. Such a great song. I have two questions about the song. First question: How did the hell did you get a blues-based rock song on radio and MTV in 1993 during the height of grunge? Like, how did you guys know. do that? I don't know, brother. Um, you know, one of the, a lot of credit goes to Virgin Records radio promo staff. They worked so hard. They believed in the band. I think a lot of the regional radio promotional people, Chuck, at that time, they were still kind of rooted in straight ahead rock, like mm-hmm. the stuff that they personally liked. Yeah. So they could tell we we were a little more meat and potatoes, man. You know, we were a little more bad company, grand funk, you know, a little bit of black crows in there, you know. Definitely you know, not hair metal and definitely not glam rock at all. So maybe that's why you guys were able to kind of sneak that in because there still was okay. a little bit of that. The Like you said, the black crows and that stuff wasn't passe at the time. So no, there's no. And, you know, my manager used to say this. He said, listen, guys, we got lucky. You know, we were able to stick our big toe in the door right before it closed. Mm, that's a good. You know, we yeah. had, yeah, we had enough of the past to have quality influences. We'd paid attention to whatever coolness we could find in the eighties, like Guns and Roses, like the Black Crows. You know, we, a little of that rolled off on us, and then we were of the same influences that, you know, the guys in Pearl Jam were listening to the same records we were. We didn't, we didn't have the punk rock. That's one thing that we were void of. We didn't Mm. have any punk rock influence, Mm. but Mm. you know, I had those same, I had those same who records that Eddie Vedder did. Oh, sure. Yeah. All the 70s stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And the same Zeppelin records that Chris Cornell did. So, you know, that's how we kind of made it happen. But yeah, got no shame was a, how lucky were we, Chuck? How lucky was Damon Johnson that his first foray into the major label record business, you know, radio, MTV touring was with a badass rock and roll song like yeah. that. No shame. With a harmonica. So that's my other question. Now, when I've never seen you guys live, I'd love to see you either solo or if you if you did a reunion show with Brother Kane, I'd love to catch that. But when you guys do it live, who plays the harmonica? Because it wasn't a band member that played it in the recording right with somebody else right yeah it was uh that was a legendary birmingham uh kind of the his name was topper price topper toured all over the southeast he was like an authentic blues man in every way you know the good and the bad you know he was another one that struggled with a lot of you know a lot of drugs and booze but god damn that guy could play the heart man mm-hmm. he just you know he's one of the best i would put him up against anyone you want to like, let's, let's have a competition. I'm talking everybody from little Walter to the guy in blues traveler. I'll take topper price any wow. day of the week. But yeah, man, um, when we started playing live Roman, see Roman Glick played rhythm guitar on mm-hmm. that first record. Right. So when we would play got no shame, he would just grab a harmonica and play the intro and he did a pretty damn good job, man. I, a lot of credit to Roman because he wasn't a harmonica player before. Mm. He j- he just put in the time, man, just and learned. started practicing. Wow. Yeah. So, um, but then after that first record, uh, our bass player, 
moved on, Roman's original instrument is the bass. So he went back to the bass, Chuck. So check it out. He he built this little contraption, which was basically a mic stand with a clamp on it. And he could just put the harmonica in that clamp. It had a bullet okay. mic underneath it. So he could be playing the bass and just walk up and blow oh, okay, the harmonica. Nice. And then step back from it, you know. And he didn't want to wear the, you know, the the Bob Dylan, uh, you know, headpiece. Oh, okay. Kind of yeah, no, he's it's like, too much. He's like, man, that's, he goes, yeah, Bob Dylan owns that. I'm not cool enough for that. Let me, I want to be able to rock out and move around. Yeah, so. <laughs> no, that's cool. Well, I, I, like I said, I hope to see you live. And so what, so he's not obviously with you now, it's just you and the trio. So how will you do it with the trio? Well, we just don't have the harmonica. <laughs> oh, you just don't do that part at all? Yeah, we don't. Yeah. Okay. I, now I will say this, man. Any opportunity I have to have, you know, a good heart player sit in and jam, mm. I always say yes. Rarely have I turned down because, man, you know, people will just come straight up and go, hey, man, can I play the harmonica on Got No Shame? Tonight? Yeah. And, you know, most of the time it's someone I've never met. And, you know, I kind of do a quick little look around to the people with him like, hey, is this guy legit or is he pulling my leg? And, yeah. you know, most times they'll go, oh, yeah. He, you know, okay. Great. So that's cool. And, well, yeah. Look forward to seeing it's just that. Like, it, it's just a jam. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just a jam anyway, for, as far as the harmonica parts. So yeah, yeah man, thank so you for many, asking about yeah, it. Yeah. So many good songs with brother Kane, but unfortunately, yeah, that band did end around 2000. And then I think was your next project, Sammy Hagar. You got to tell me about working with him. I'm so jealous. Like he just seems like such a fun guy to hang out with. Like, does he make you do tequila shots with him or like, was, did you have fun or was it all business? It was all fun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Chuck, it was all fun. That's what he seems like. He's always fun. Even when he's working, it's fun. Well, yeah. Let me tell you how fun it was. Now I was still in brother Kane. Oh, okay. Uh, I wrote with, I wrote with Sammy in 1996. Oh, okay. Six or six. Is that the marching to Mars or something? I think it was called. Right. Marching to Mars was the record. We had just toured with van halen that's right before. yeah 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 sammy was a big fan of our song and fools shine on he loved that's a it. great song yeah L- loved it thank you man so right after he split with van halen he called me at home in birmingham and he said hey man i'm gonna make a record right now would you want to come out and write something with me and i said of course so he flies me straight out, brother. I mean, like four days later, maybe that, maybe that very same weekend, picks me up at the uh, San, I guess it was the San Francisco airport. He lived up in the hills there in Marin County and that wine country up there. He picks me up, brother, in the red, I can't drive 55 Ferrari. <laughs> like the action, the same one? Yes. <laughs> wow that's gotta be surreal is he wearing that outfit too he's got didn't he have like a jumpsuit or something okay he didn't wear the jumpsuit that would have been funny he scared he scared the shit out of me man he 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 really can't drive 55 yeah man he he can't drive 55 he jumped straight out into moving traffic in that thing and i remember grabbing the the thing (laughs) he's like (sighs) hey johnson he goes hey johnson don't worry brother i got you 
I don't, you, don't don't question don't question the Ferrari, bro. It, it's all good. <laughs> Has he had tequila at this point, or uh, hopefully not? No, I, okay. Um, yeah, I mean the tequila thing was already happening. It hadn't really kicked off. But he wasn't super- drinking the shots when he was driving the Ferrari. Oh hell no! Okay, okay, no, just no, checking, no. just checking. No, no. But but check it out, man. We went straight up to his house. You know, we had a couple beers. Went right in. We went to work, which I love, man. You know, there was no messing around. Yeah. We wrote a couple couple things really fast. It was great. I stayed at his house. I had some of the most insane red wine I've ever had in my life. He's got a little wine cellar mm. built into this kind of like a, a little hill. If you, if you just look out his back door, you see this grassy hill. You just think it's like a mound of dirt. He's got like a wine cellar in there, man. And, uh, wow. and then the next, and then the next morning he made me, uh, pumpkin pancakes for breakfast. <laughs> I wish I this was there. during the cell phone era. This would have been an amazing like Snapchat video. Totally, of Sammy Hager totally. with an apron making you pancakes. That's crazy. Chuck, I got I to tell you something, bro. I don't think I've ever told anyone that story. That was amazing. Um, that was a great story. <laughs> yeah. Pumpkin pancakes, man. And with Sammy then, Hagar. That's crazy. You know, and, and one final little thing I have to mention, and I did tell this um, to, to another interview recently, but he flew me back out there, brother, about three weeks later to record the two songs we had worked on together. And the band was essentially Montrose without Ronnie Montrose. It was Bill Church on the bass, Denny Carmasi on the drum, Sammy Hagar and me. And we recorded those those two songs together, bro. Talk about a dream come true. I mean, just there's so many just, dreams come true that you've had, though. I mean, Stevie Nicks. Tell me about that one. I, I don't know. I, I was trying to find out like how that came. I haven't heard the story. I know you wrote a song with her, but like, I mean, it's not like you reached out to her because I'm sure she gets reached out to all the time. Like she kind of has to pick you, right? I mean, was she a yeah, fan or that, was it through a mutual friend or no, no, bro. It was a total fluke. Um, brother Kane, brother Kane was about to come to an end. I continued to write. I thought about maybe putting out a solo record. Um, but I went to Los Angeles. I wrote a couple more songs with Marty. And then I wrote songs with my friend, John Shanks, who is another mega talent has had huge success, way big success as a producer and and a co-writer. So John and I wrote this song called every day. Um, and it's the, it's a lyric I wrote about my girlfriend at the time who's upstairs making I think uh, brownies for the kids right now. <laughs> and uh, so I came back home to, to Alabama and uh, about a month afterwards, John called me and said, Hey man, I think we might get a cut. Somebody wants to record our song. He goes, but I can't tell you who just yet. And I was like, okay, hmm. well, he goes, are you all right? If someone else cuts the song, Well, at that point, I knew John had been working with a lot of young, like female pop singers, like Hilary Duff, Michelle Branch, um, a couple of others, you know, like he was really doing well with that. And I was like, hey, wow, if one of those you know, girls were to cut the song, it, it could be a hit. I'd never had a hit song, you know, besides, you know, the Brother Kane stuff. But that was just on rock radio. (laughs) Yeah. Pop, Pop. Pop radio is a whole so thing. you would you would be okay with that even if it's like not really your 
kind of music? They turn it into well, like a poppy song? But it, well, our song was kind of poppy. Okay. You know, it was just a it was just a real simple melody, very sing songy, almost nursery rhyme in a very cool way. So the next week, Chuck, he calls and he goes, Hey man, I'm gonna hold the phone up to the speaker, check this out. So I could hear our song and I heard this voice. Now it's over the phone. I'm like, wait, I know who that is. I couldn't come on, man. It would have occurred to me like, oh, maybe that's Stevie Nicks. Right? Know? Yeah. What the <laughs> Yeah. So sure enough, it was Stevie. And you know, I I, I almost dropped the telephone. <laughs> my, I, re- Jeez, I remember yeah. thinking, I remember thinking Stevie Nicks is one of the great songwriters of the rock era and she wants to record my song come on man and also just one of the greatest female voices of i mean so for her to sing yours i mean i can't imagine if you had to pick a female voice to sing your song she's got to be at the top of the list well she's she's an icon you know she she's a legend and you know the only thing the only the only component of that story that I want that is incomplete is I've yet to meet Stevie in person. We spoke very, very briefly on the telephone. Mm-hmm. She just said, Hey, I want to, want to say hello. I love the song. She said, I love your vocal melody. I'm going to sing it exactly like you wrote it. And I'm just like, wow. What? <laughs> so yeah, that, that is a great a compliment. Dang. That was a great compliment. That was a, you know, that was a big phone call. And of course, everybody in my world is freaking out. My, you know, my, uh, the publishing company that I was still working with that same girl, Sharona. Sharona oh. was so, she was so important for me. I'm telling you, Chuck, Marty Fredrickson, West Arkeen, uh, John Shanks. I would have never met any of those people had it not been for Sharona. So that's amazing. You know, so a then, lot of credit to it. Yeah. So then back to the, like what we were talking earlier with Eric Dover, he gets you the call for Alice Cooper. So you get the job with Alice Cooper. So tell me like, what is it like you, you play golf with him, right? Does he get recognized on the course? Like, cause I've seen him around Arizona. I've seen him at the mall one time and my girlfriend's parents saw him at like a storage unit. Just like, it seems like he just kind of hangs out. Like he doesn't <laughs> try to make a big fuss. Like I'm Alice Cooper. Like he just, I'm going to the mall. I'm going to storage places. Like, is that like that way in the golf course as well? Is he getting recognized or? Yeah, he, t- he totally does, man. Talk about Alice Cooper is more comfortable in his own skin than anyone I've ever met. Um, he, he is 100% normal. He's just like you and me, loves music, loves his kids, loves his wife, loves golf, loves to shop, loves movies, popcorn. Uh, you know, and then for an hour and a half every night, man, he turns into, you know, the, the shock rock Lord of the universe and goes out and and drops all these bombs with his performance and just, you know, does his thing that, I mean, basically he pioneered that whole kind of presentation, you know? So yeah, Alice was a game changer in every way. It was great for my confidence. Um, it was amazing to write songs with Alice, you know, the legend. He kind of has different hats. You know, one is the performer, you know, one is, 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 you know, the husband and father and mm-hmm. kind of the public figure and the rock star. But another hat is Alice Cooper songwriter. And 
it was a, just a thrill beyond anything I could have imagined to get to do that. And of course, dude, we played so much golf. Oh, Chuck, my handicap got really good there really? for a while. <laughs> oh, God, I'm so bad. At it. I love golf. I just, I, ne- I need to do it more. I think, is that the, how you get better at it? Cause I'm so bad. Take some lessons, bro. Okay. If you really want to get better, yeah, you need to take some lessons and then you need to put in the time on the range. Yeah. Um, It'd be nice if I had some natural talent. I feel like then that would encourage me to. <laughs> I got good news for you, brother. Yeah. I had no natural talent. Really? And 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 full disclosure, I, I sucked for a long time. Mm. I, I played with Alice for five years. I sucked for four of those years. Really? It took that long to, it's a hard yeah, game. Yeah, just because look, man, it's one thing to be out playing every day, but you're not taking lessons. You're not on the range. Mm. You're just getting out there and chasing the ball around. Really? Mm. And, you know, I asked Alice one day, I said, Alice, what's, what's my problem? Why can't I get any better? He just said, buddy, until you get a real swing, you're going to continue to struggle. Mm. That's all I needed to hear, bro. Mm. I was like, done. As soon as that tour, that leg of the tour was over, I went home, got me a coach. I started putting in the time, man. Cause look, you're out with Alice. You're playing the best golf courses in the country. Yeah. You know, we played Beth Page, we played Whistling Straits, we played Wingfoot, we played, almost got to go to Augusta National. I mean, it was just insanity. You know, he's a, he's an ambassador of golf, just like he's, he's an ambassador of rock. So he's pretty um, good, right? He's, he's, be- is he better than you? Oh God. Yes. Really? <laughs> yeah. Does he get annoyed though? That's my problem with golf too, is I'm so bad that if I go with a friend who's good, they're going to get like annoyed because I'm always keeping them up or whatever. Chuck, that's another one of the greatest things about Alice. He never got annoyed, ever. He was so it's amazing. Patient. Well, look, he he wasn't. Look, he didn't like stop what he was doing and come over to help me. He he ha- as long as he could keep his pace going. Yeah, okay. Man, he didn't care if you had to hit the ball fifteen times on every hole. He mm-hmm. didn't care. So it's he crazy just though. To have a good time. Yeah, it sounds like such an awesome time. You're you're Alice Cooper's guitar player, getting to golf with them and hang out. It seems like such a dream job. But you, it was your decision to leave, right? Didn't you leave for the? Uh, was it the Southern Rock Country Band, Whiskey Falls? I did. Whiskey Falls came across my desk uh, in my third year with Alice and. That there was so much talent in that band, there were already some undeniably great songs in that band that uh, I made the decision to give it a shot. And again, on paper, remember, I'd already been through Witness, the Delta Rebels. <laughs> Dude, right. Brother Kane, yeah. Brother Kane had tons of success at radio. Yeah, we never met, ma- we could barely make a living, honestly. Really, Chuck, you know, we, yeah, because we were just on the road all the time. Yeah, you're, we opened for Aerosmith and Robert Plant, but what? We're getting a thousand bucks a night for those shows. You get, that's just enough to for put the whole band or each. The whole band. That's it for Robert Plant. Oh, that's it. Oh, dude, yeah. listen, that that happens more often than not. Well, now I hear that the opening bands have to pay to get onto these big uh, tours and such, which a is lot of, crazy. A lot to of me. times they, a lot of times they do. We mm. we were fortunate. We had good management, and they knew a lot of people and. Mm. A lot of phone calls. Um, uh, one of the guys on our management team was a total legend in the concert promotion company, Tony Rafino. And Tony Rafino grew up in the business with Robert Plant's manager, Bill Kirbishley, who was a legend. Bill mm. Kirbishley managed the Who. Oh. Um, 
you know, Rob, Robert Plant after after Peter Grant passed away. So, you know, Tony just called up Kirby. So he said, hey, I got my boys, this band, Brother Kane. They're really good. And if you got anything, keep us in mind. He goes, would they want to open for Robert? And Tony goes, I think they'd like that. Yeah. So, and who's going to say no to that? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, back to Alice, uh, back to Whiskey Falls. Yes. I just... Uh, through all of these experiences, Chuck, there's always been this thing in the back of my head that I want to be a member of a band that is succeeding, that is selling tickets, that is selling records, but that I can focus my songwriting and my kind of craft and my and my guitar playing into doing that one thing and have some success at it. So I took a chance on doing yeah. that with Whiskey Falls. And, you know, Whiskey Falls didn't make as much noise as brother Kane, but we definitely accomplished a lot in, in the year and a half we were together. And, you know, and then it was just another band that ran into some obstacles that we just mm-hmm. couldn't get, get across. And uh, thank God, uh, you know, after I left Alice for whiskey falls, Jason hook became the guitar player that took my place. Well, at the end of whiskey falls, Jason hook left Alice to join five finger death punch. Right. And the, the tour manager, Toby Mamus, called me to ask me if I knew any other guitar players that might be available. <laughs> and I said, yes, I do. <laughs> so then, that, then you went back to Alice for a little I bit. I went back to and then, so then, back. Yeah. And then you ended up joining Thin Lizzy. Yeah. Well, and it's so Thin Lizzy slash Black Star Writers, right? Can you explain that? Because it was like, you didn't want to make new material under the Thin Lizzy name, so it's basically the same band. You just called it black star writers for the records. Is that how it worked? Kind of. It's a little convoluted, you know, and now that I've had the advantage of kind of some perspective and some distance, I think that whole situation could have maybe been navigated a little better, Hmm. but here's what it was. Then Lizzie toured all of 2011, 2012. They were having real success selling tickets. You know, there was, you know, Scott Gorham and that group of players had kind of brought the band back to some level of like, hey, man, this is good. This is the best version of the band since Phil passed away. Um, and Scott goes, I want to start writing some songs. Well, myself and Ricky Warwick, the singer in Thin Lizzy, we got very excited. We were like, hell yes. Yeah. So, you know. Ricky was an experienced writer. I was an experienced writer. And we knew that Scott wasn't, you know, Phil Lynott wrote those songs, Chuck. Everybody knows it. Chuck, uh, Scott contributed a lot. And mm-hmm. Chuck, Scott's got some co-writes on several songs. But Phil did all the heavy lifting. Ricky and I knew we would need to do a lot of heavy lifting. And we were ready for that, man. So we initially thought it was going to be a Thin Lizzy record. And kind of in the 11th hour, Scott and the management and Phil Linett's estate, you know, they'd been having conversations and they just decided it would be better not to call it Thin Lizzy, which was the right decision, bro. Mm-hmm. There, yeah. is, there is there is no Thin Lizzy without Phil right. Linett. If yeah. you're talking about putting out records, no, mm. that would have been a mistake. I think it so. would have been fun. It would have been fun for me. I would have loved it. And yeah, I could have probably withstood the barrage of, hate mail and hate posts we would have gotten on social media yeah. for you know it's just it's just how it is so 
black star writers, man. You know, in Europe, we had some success. Uh, people buying the records. We started selling some tickets and it was great. And I was there with that band for three albums. And, you know, I've got nothing but positive memories and positive things to say about that band because I wouldn't be here talking to you about battle lessons, about my fully focused solo career, had it not been the fulfillment that I got from Black Star Writers. You know, Ricky, especially writing songs with him. That guy's amazing. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of, it just got me back, man, to wanting to write more, to kind of sing my own songs and get back behind the microphone. Yeah. Um, Did it's you a do weird, it? Yeah. It's, so it's a weird path, man. It's it a is. Weird path yeah. You've, you've done so many, yeah. pro there was another project you did, uh, Slave to the System, with uh, members of Queensryche and uh, Roman Glick, your buddy from Brother Kane, who's also in Jackal. Um, that, that was an album in 2002, but there was a second album that was never released, right? Or was it? Yeah. Is that yeah. ever going to see the light of day? Yes. It is, bro. But simply because Kelly Gray, you know, Kelly and I did most of the songwriting mm -hmm. and Kelly and I are great friends to this day. As a matter of fact, there's one song on the Battle Lessons record, my new record that mm -hmm. Kelly and I wrote together. Um, Slave to the System was badass. That record was badass. And uh, as we speak, Kelly is getting the, that original record remastered. Mm. And we want to at least get it out on the streaming site so fans can get it. I don't even yeah. think you can find it anymore. Yeah. You know, there's no there's no one actively working it. So we want to get it back out That'd there. That'd be cool. Yeah. Got, yeah, man. We got six or eight tunes that are very worthy of us, uh, you know, recording and, and, and putting out a second record. It's the only kind of project that I want to do because I'm, I'm telling you, brother, I'm 100% fully focused on Damon Johnson and Damon Johnson and the get ready. That's it. What about <laughs> um, your, I didn't know your, your buddies with uh, Rachel Bolin. I had him on the show. I was a huge Skid Row fan. Would you ever, would you guys ever do a project or would you ever have him help you write songs for your solo stuff? He's a great well, songwriter I would, too. I would write songs with Rachel any day of the week. We've written many songs together. Really? Chuck. Uh, yeah, you may not know this, brother, but that first record that they put out after Sebastian, it was a record called Thick Skin. Thick Skin, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I co-wrote three songs. Oh, I didn't that know record. that. Oh, wow. That's really yeah, cool. There, yeah, uh, there's a song called Ghost. Yes, Ghost, yeah. It's Yeah, that that was me and Rachel and Snake. Oh, okay. I, I love that song so much, and I am bound and determined to record my own version of it. Oh, wow. Okay, very cool. Uh, yeah, so Great, great lyric. Great well, lyric. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about your solo career. So you said that you love not having to you know, compromise or wait for other people or have to work with people out of state. Like This is much easier to be in a band. You know, They live close, and, and you get the final say in everything. But isn't it also kind of scary to know that you don't have that like Alice Cooper money behind you or, or thin Lizzie kind of like recognition. I mean, that's gotta be a little bit frightening, right? Yeah. What is the word? I'm not frightened, but there's no question. It is a lot of work to do what I'm doing now. Um, if I, if there was any way, if there was a way for me to pan back, you could see what a mess my little cubby hole here is, man. Cause I'm, we're, we're mailing out CDs and T-shirts and all these people that have pre-ordered the record. Listen, man, I'm fully independent, and I wanted it that way, Chuck. You know, there's – look, rock and roll 
is never going to be the cultural influence that it once was. This was also part of my reason to leave Black Star Writers. It wasn't sustainable for me to continue to be a part of that. It was just too much time in another country. And really, we were just building it in one place. I'd like to be able to be with my family more, play in North America more, which is where I'm from, where people are familiar with my singing voice. They remember Brother King. Yeah, I love Brother King. Uh, the Stevie Nicks song was was kind of a hit here. Like, there's just, just more profile for me here. Sure. So, um, yeah. Okay. I mean, well, it's, let's. It's, it's 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 great. It's I. You know, I don't regret any of those things. Joining Alice and joining Thin Lizzy. Come on, no. man. It changed my life. It it put me where Absolutely. I am. Absolutely. I'm. I don't want to take any more of those gigs. Uh, I I have graciously passed on a couple of opportunities just in the last year from very established bands. That had really? a position open. Yeah. Can you because, say who you they know, are? Or? I can't do that because oh, it would be disrespectful to the guy that, you know, is in the spot now. Oh. But, but you, you can tell me off the record then. I, well, you know, it's so flattering, man. When the when I get an email or the phone yeah. rings, somebody says, hey, this is so-and-so. And uh, your name came up and you came highly recommended. And we're looking, you know, we need a guitar player. So that cool. Can sing. Yeah. And you're the guy. And I'm like, guys, thank you so much. And. But if I do that, everything I've worked yeah. on the last three years no, I get comes, it. To a, comes to a complete halt. And then guess what, Chuck? I'm back to waiting on an email yeah. that's going to have my entire year laid out. This is your schedule. <sighs> yep. This is where we're going to go. And I have no say-so in it yeah. whatsoever. So you want the freedom. So let's talk about this new record, Battle Lessons. Uh, the songs were actually written in 2019. You recorded all this before the pandemic, but it, the songs are about like working past struggles. And uh, your good friend, producer Nick uh, Rascal, I was I can't never say his name right. Rascal, 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 close, close. So Let bad. Let me help you, brother. It's really easy. Rasculinix. Rasculinix. I don't. Why? I didn't get that. But he's he's worked right. with Rush and Foo Fighters and Allison Chains. I mean, he's amazing producer. So, what else can you tell me about these songs? Yeah, these songs started in two thousand, the end of two thousand nineteen. I have an old friend, a monster talent, Jim Troglin. He's from the Birmingham music scene. We met early in the Brother Kane days, and we've just kept in touch through the years. And we've collaborated on different things. And Jim has kind of a wacky creativity and I'm the more organized guy that can kind of take that wackiness and contain it and kind of pull things out of it and go, okay, I'm going to take this, this, and this. Thank you very much. You go work on something else. I'm going to finish this song and then let's start another one. And bro, when we finally did that, that that was what uh, led to my uh, 2018 solo album, Memoirs of an Uprising. Jim and I co-wrote most of that as well. So we just, we got a good thing, man. And we work fast. We have a lot of fun. I'm not overthinking anything. I feel more fearless as a lyricist than ever in my whole career. Um, and Battle Lessons is a giant leap forward. The, the riffs, the guitar is front and center. The arrangements, my, my rhythm section, Jared and Robbie played their ass off. And Nick made us, I mean, dude, I, my record sounds as good as the Foo Fighters, dude. 
any of those other <laughs> records Nicky's made. It's yeah, not, you got all the same. He does using all the same equipment and such and techniques and. Well, he, he's just he, yeah, he's just using the same techniques. You know the way you know the drums incredible. They sound great, and that's always kind of the foundation that we build on. Mm. But you know, Nick has got so much great gear, so many killer guitar amps and guitars and. It's just always it's always a fun experience, man. So. And you and you said said that this is your best work that you've done. I mean, because I you know I interview musicians all the time. By their, of course, they're going to promote their newest record, but you can kind of tell when they're they're not really feeling it like it's their best thing ever they've ever done. But you are feeling like this is the best record you've ever made. Yeah, you know, you're right. What you just said, in a way, it's like almost everybody says it. Oh, it's the best thing I've ever mm-hmm. done. You can tell when somebody's phoning that in when they don't really. <laughs> yeah. Or sometimes they, they won't really. even say that. Like I interviewed uh, the singer. I don't know if you know the band raw, but I interviewed the singer from the band raw. And I told, I told him, I said, that new song you have is the best raw song. And he goes, and he didn't, he did, wasn't like, Oh, I agree. He was like, okay. Like, I don't think he agreed that it was their best song. So he's like, well, you, you'll have to hear some of the other stuff. So it's just, it's interesting, to, but you really, I mean, you've said that repeatedly that this is like, you're really proud of this record. Yeah, there's an energy. Uh, there's so much tempo. There's so much balls to the wall. You know, the same way I felt when I was 19 years old, listening to Van Halen, listening to ACDC and Thin Lizzy, you know, as a kid, that I felt the same way then as these songs make me feel now. So I just feel kind of... I just feel like I'm having a moment right now with my writing, with kind of my vision for what mm-hmm. the songs are. Uh, the guys and I are getting together literally this week to kind of knock the cobwebs off for the first time in a while. And, uh, you know, getting ready to, you know, we want to be prepared, Chuck. You know, the vaccines are starting to, to get rolled out. Oh, yeah. They're, start, they're starting to be a little bit of activity, little some kind of performance situation, some dates. Uh, there's a couple things coming up. We're going to get to support some bigger bands. Yeah. I think you have a show with a blue Oyster cult this summer. That's a big one. That that one's on the books and confirmed. There's a little run with ZZ top, uh, that I'm hoping really to get announced. Yeah. Nothing crazy, but like three or four shows. Hey man, that's great. We'll, we'll take it. You know, we just, we just want to go play. We want to get out there in front of, in front of people. And you'll do all the brother Kane hits and everything. Oh Yeah. No, no doubt about it. Look, that's the other thing. I feel like I'm very lucky, Chuck, you know, and I'm not just the guitar player and white snake or, you know, again, no offense to those guys. They're great players, but they don't have brother Kane in their, in their history. Right. They didn't write, they didn't write songs or sing or, no. you know, no, I agree. Um, Cause I, I love that you got that job with Alice Cooper as a guitar player. I think that's awesome. But I also think like, it's almost kind of a waste because you are brother Kane. You're the voice of brother Kane. You should be singing those songs and creating more songs like that. Bro. There's been so many fans of rock music that have said word for word, what you just said. And that just fuels me, man. I'm so grateful to look. I'm just grateful. People feel that way. Cause they could be like, Hey man, this stuff is okay. Don't don't lose Alice Cooper's phone number. (laughs) There's been none of that. You got a catalog with brother Kane with your other solo stuff. And then, or do you do like some black star writers in there? You throw in one of the Alice Cooper songs or what? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't get crazy with, with those songs, but we definitely have um, have a lot to choose from. 
we can do anything we want. Yeah. You know, like when we, when I first started playing full time solo three years ago, the set was a little heavy on Thin Lizzy and some Alice Cooper covers because that was what the promoters wanted. Oh, we're going to get the sure. Damon Johnson yeah. guy to come play at our show and he's in Thin Lizzy. And so, okay, whatever. And we play Got No Shame and Full Shine On and Hard At to Follow and I Lie in the Bet I Make. And then two or three of the new ones. Dude, this year, it's going to be heavy on the Battle Lesson songs, Memoirs of an, an Uprising. Yes, we'll play a Thin Lizzy song. We have to play Got No Shame. We have yeah. to play Full Shine On. You got to so play uh, That gonna... Don't Satisfy Me. That's a good one, too. That's... Oh, yeah, dude. We play, yeah. we play all of that stuff. Yeah. So over the course of, say, if we're in an opening slot situation, over the course of 40 minutes, we can get eight songs in there. Oh, man, yeah. Well, they're going to hear three or four that were hits that they recognize. Right. That I either sang or it's a Thin Lizzy song that, you know. Sure. Like my, like my sister loves to say, Damon. You're on Thin Lizzy's Wikipedia page. Your name is on there. There you go. It's pretty <laughs> no cool. No one can take that away from you. Yeah. Me. <laughs> Are you on Alice Cooper's too? You should be on his one as well. Oh, yeah. I'm on this somewhere, man. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, you you know, got quite a resume. Is, it's amazing. The, the, the difference is Alice Cooper's had about 35 guitar players in True. his history. True. Thin, yeah. Lizzy, Thin Lizzy's had six, and I think that's it. So, so would you say, uh, would you never say never to like, being a guitar player in an Alice Cooper or a Thin Lizzy kind of thing in the future, or you're just saying like right now you really want to focus on the solo stuff. I would never say never. Yeah. Let me clarify. When Thin Lizzy goes out and plays, I'm still playing with Thin Lizzy as we speak. Oh, the good, the good news. It's a very minimal quantity of shows. Okay. Uh, yeah, we did, we did four festival dates in 2019 amazing hmm. all in your all in europe but it was great saw the guys we rehearsed worked up those killer songs had a blast had some good food had some laughs i was over there for two weeks i came home went right back to my my thing and that's the way it's going to continue to be you know scott gorham just had his 70th birthday and you know look if he calls me and says hey bud i'm ready to go crazy I'm, we're gonna book 75 shows this year i don't know bro I don't know if I don't know if I would want to do seventy five yeah. Thin Lizzy shows. Gotcha. I, I don't know. I'm not going to say no. You know, that's a conversation I'd have to have with with my family yeah. first. But I, you know, I'd certainly need to talk to Scott and all the guys in in the band. Like, well, all right, well, what's the plan? What are you thinking? Sure, sure. A, again, man, seventy five shows with anybody. It's a lot. I gotta, yeah. I gotta put battle lessons on hold, and yeah. I gotta. I got a badass band, brother. They want to work too. Yeah, I need to. I need to you got to keep those guys. Busy. Yeah, I want to see you live. Will you have any shows in Phoenix or Scottsdale? I think we're kind of open here. I don't know. I think concerts are happening. I don't know. We will have shows, Chuck, in Phoenix, guaranteed. Okay, guaranteed. I, there's I, there's too much. Uh, there's a lot of love for for my music there in that town. I, I know so many people there. Uh, Great. You know, Al, Alice is just one of the many people I know there. So. Okay. I love Phoenix and uh, there's some rock and roll fans out there for sure, man. So yeah. Well, I look to. forward to, to seeing a show. Um, thank you so much for doing this. I do like to end with a charity. I think I mentioned that. I hope I did. Uh, do you have a charity that you support or that you want to give a shout out to? We support the world central kitchen. Okay. I'm not familiar with that one. The world central kitchen. Yes. And it's simply about getting food 
to underprivileged communities all around the world. Okay. And I the, like that. That's a good idea. Yeah. That's a great cause. Is, is their initials WCK.org. Okay, perfect. I will definitely yeah. put that in the notes. And if people can find a way to throw a few bucks that, that way to help support, that's a, obviously a great cause. I've never heard of that one. And that's interesting. Well, but, good, good yeah. on you, man, for a uh, good on you for even thinking like that, bro. We, I think the world needs that now more than ever. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think music is also an amazing thing that can help the world that we need right now to bring people together, despite all their differences and all that crap, just come together to a rock concert and let's hear some brother Kane songs and Damon Johnson solo stuff. It's going to be amazing. I like that idea, brother. Very Chuck, cool, man. I've really enjoyed this. Yeah, um, me too. I love your stories. You got some great stories. Well, thank you, brother. Shout out to our common friend, Dan Sokolik, for uh, yes. connect, connecting the dots. Dan is a good man, a lifelong Brother Kane fan, and just he's, he's, he's just one of the great people that I've had the good fortune to meet in these years. Yeah, of, that was amazing. He reached traveling. out and said, hey, do you want to interview Damon Johnson from Brother Kane? I'm like, uh, yeah, love, I've actually been <laughs> messaging him on Instagram, and he doesn't respond to my messages. So yeah, like... But you probably get like too many to go through all those. So yeah, the fact that he could hook it up, I was like, yes, I'm in. I've tried this. So this was great. Chuck, I'm glad you said that. I got to do a little better job with that, what you're talking about. Oh, um, God. No, it's so many. I, I, I don't, I think my thing is like, I always think that that's the best way to reach people. But I think most people prefer email. I'm learning that. I'm learning that as I go. I'm like, because you guys probably get so many just random messages from fans and such on, on those sites that it's, it's probably harder to weed through it all well sometimes you're right sometimes there are so many random things that i think you just kind of get this sense in your head like ah yeah yeah i'm i'm, I'm only gonna check that once a month but yeah email is always great e you know listen email is the uh it's it's the meat and potatoes of the communication world man you just it's right. un, undeniable you gotta have it it's just one of the it's, it's in this basic food group, you know? Absolutely. I mean? yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like more, but I think it's a little bit more coveted because not everyone has your email. So if I can, if you know, get with yeah. a publicist or something, that's always a little, then it's less to go through, which I understand. So, well, thank you yeah. so much for doing this. I look forward to seeing you guys perform a show somewhere soon in the future. I hope. Chuck, thank you, my friend. It's great to meet you. It's great to talk with you. Yeah, You've you got all my socials and stuff. Yep. Uh, People can get the album at DamonJohnson.com. Yes, I will put that in the notes as well. So get the CD click that. there, uh, the vinyl. We are hoping to get those by April. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, all, vinyl's all making a big comeback. Yeah, all the vinyl pressing plants are slow, man, because all these classic bands are reissuing their entire catalog because they haven't yeah. been able to tour. So they're like, oh, this is Mick Fleetwood. We want to do, you know, reissues of all these albums. So all us little guys get pushed. Oh, to the sure. Back yeah. No. Mick Fleetwood is, <laughs> so, yeah, he's Fleetwood Mac. So he's, he's a Lord. He's yep. a Lord. They, all right. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Damon. To, I appreciate it. Right. We'll see you. All the best, Chuck. Okay. Bye-bye. Wow. Were you on the edge of your seat during that interview? Like I was listening to these amazing stories of Alice Cooper, Sammy Hagar, Stevie Nicks. I mean, I'm definitely going to have to have him on again. I could probably have listened for a few more hours Check out his new album, Battle Lessons. It's Damon Johnson and the Get Ready. You can buy it on his website. It's in the podcast notes or it's on all streaming services as well. And I look forward to seeing him perform live. He's a super talented man. 
Great storyteller, all around amazing human being. So everyone should support him and his music. If you want to support my show, you can share the episode on social media or check out some of the other episodes I have, uh, like my interview with Rachel Bolin, who we mentioned in the episode, or Brian Weed of Tesla. I recently had him on. Thank you for listening and making it this far into the episode. Have a great day and remember to shoot for the moon.